It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Dr. Al Dannenberg, welcome to the show again. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Oh, well, thanks for the honor and the privilege. Um, I don't know how many people you interview more than once, but I am honored. Thank you. You're the third. <laughs> oh, my God. Out of 150. Oh, my God. Uh, that puts me like on a different level, right? Right? A plane of <laughs> intelligence or ignorance? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I, the, what we'll do is is we'll link the original interview below, uh, which was a fascinating discussion, and we'll get you to just give a very quick overview of who you are to pique the interest of the people that haven't heard of you prior to this episode, and then we'll touch on what's happened in your life since we last connected. Oh, my God. Probably a lot. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Um, I just turned 75 years old and counting, which is very exciting for me. Um, so I'm a periodontist. That means I'm a dentist that went into a specialty to treat gum disease and all kinds of stuff related to gum disease in the mouth. And I did that for 44 years until 2018. And in 2018, doing what I do, and I felt like I was really a healthy guy, almost a senior poster boy for health, uh, that kind of thing. At the age of 71, I'm traveling and lecturing, and all of a sudden, I get some pain in my shoulder, and it kind of stays there. And eventually, I get to my um, medical doctor months later and ask, what's going on? And this is September 2018. And eventually, to make a long, long story short, eventually I get diagnosed with an incurable bone marrow cancer called multiple myeloma with severe lytic lesions throughout my bone skeleton, which means I have all kinds of holes in my bones everywhere, making them very fragile, almost like a person with severe osteoporosis. In other words, these bones can fracture easily. Um, and I'm given three to six months to live. This is September, 2018. Um, I reject chemotherapy. I get involved with concepts of healthy um, improvement of my immune system. I call them now my 11 unconventional cancer protocols. And I do extremely well, although I've had serious setbacks, one of which in 2019 put me in hospice to die. But guess what? I didn't die. You can tell because I'm still speaking and it's 2022. So something's going on here. And then um, um, coming to the more current time, I never took chemotherapy, but I was on an immunotherapy drug. Now, immunotherapy drugs are actually monoclonal antibodies to support, theoretically support the immune system. In my case, to kill very specifically malignant plasma cells, 
which is what my cancer is all about, multiple myeloma. Just on um, that, Dale, just on that, Al, the, the monoclonal antibodies has been a word that's come into the vernacular in the last two years, particularly around treatment for COVID as an alternate therapy. What is it and where does it come from, just for people that don't know? So this is theoretically um, human-derived monoclonal antibodies. These are produced from plasma cells uh, as an antibody that is specific for a protein that is on the surface of the malignant plasma cell. So this monoclonal antibody, the idea is it binds this antigen, this protein, this bad guy, and it is attracted like a magnet to it. And it causes either the malignant plasma cell to die or it activates something in the malignant plasma cell that triggers the immune system to come after it and gobble it up with one of its white blood cells and literally destroys the cancer. So, and, and all these antibodies are all the same, monoclonal, only one antibody, monoclonal antibodies that are very specific. So my monoclonal antibody has nothing to do with the monoclonal antibodies for COVID treatment. It's a totally different antibody. So this antibody is very specific for a very uh, unique situation in the body. Mine was to help kill the malignant plasma cells, but it has side effects. Obviously, every drug has side effects and that's part of the drug system today. So the side effects normally when I was taking it didn't really affect me too much. And my blood chemistries were relatively okay. Never, I never was in remission ever, but I was doing quite well. And the bottom line, and I've always mentioned this to you and everybody that I talk to is I am not interested in longevity. I will die from multiple myeloma. It's incurable as far as I know today, but basically my quality of life is critical. That's all I want. I just want to live as many years as I can with a high quality of life and drop dead. I mean, this is the way I would love it. You know, someday I'm going to say to myself, okay, I've had my quality of life. I'm going to go to bed and die. And that's the way I want to die. I have no, I'm not in denial and, and, and I don't have a death wish, but I am a realist and I know where I am. So anyhow, so I'm taking this monoclonal antibody. Everything is good. And in July of 2022, I'm sorry, July of 2021, um, I have taken this antibody and I start to get side effects to the point where I'm really not feeling well. I'm weak and my muscles are hurting. And this is very atypical. And I'm talking to my oncologist and he said, okay, it may be at this point, this monoclonal antibody is not going to work for you anymore. We'll stop it. Okay, great. Well, the symptoms even got worse. I had terrible diarrhea, um, headaches, every muscle and joint in my body was painful. And I was so exhausted if I got up to go to the bathroom and got back to the couch, I need to lay down because I was so tired. Um, actually, the symptoms were the symptoms of COVID, except I never had a fever. I never had a loss of taste and loss of smell. But all the other symptoms were very typical of COVID. And it turns out I had COVID. So I got COVID on top of this because I'm thinking uh, that that can get you in trouble, by the way, when you think. So I'm thinking the monoclonal antibody, excuse me. I never use these things, but I do it only because you can hear me more clearly. So I th I'm thinking that the monoclonal antibody 
actually weakened my body, allowed the COVID virus, which is everywhere, of course. This is in um, July 2021, um, to get into my body and weak, take advantage of a weakened immune system and give me all the trouble. So I never was on medication. I never had to go to the hospital. It was rough for me. But because I really improved my immune system to that point, I think I survived very well and got over it. And by January 2022, now we're getting close to where we are now, January 2022, my oncologist thought, you know, it was COVID and let's start the monoclonal antibody again. So we did that in January 2022. Everything worked out fine. I didn't really have symptoms. February 2022, I did it again, and all the symptoms came back with a vengeance, worse than before, and I was in terrible shape. Um, I had a new PET scan, and it turned out that the PET scan showed an activation of multiple myeloma, especially around my left eye orbit right here and in my pelvis area, sacrum area, that caused my um, sciatic nerve to get activated. And I had sciatic pain continuously for six weeks. And I don't know if you know what sciatic pain is like, but it is excruciating. So I've ha I had that, and my oncologist said, obviously, we're not going to do that, um, that um, drug again, that immunotherapy, monoclonal antibody again. But I had to try to suffer through this healing process. And I needed to stop the aggressive multiple myeloma in these two isolated areas. And my only option was radiation to prevent me going blind in my left eye and to stop the pain from the myeloma cells that were affecting the sciatic nerve. I did that. I'm fine. And I'm still recovering. And that's where I am today. So you've you've survived COVID, uh, even though you're a, a cancer patient. Were you vaccinated? No. Now let me tell you an interesting story, and this is only one story of many, many. I believe the people that have bone marrow cancers, like multiple myeloma, are not able to produce antibodies effectively as a normal person. And some of the newer research, which should have been done a long time ago, but the newer research is showing that those people that have a difficult time producing normal antibodies, like multiple myeloma, cannot produce the normal antibodies if they're given the vaccine. And even if they get COVID, they may not produce the same antibodies to try to fight it. And we're talking about the plasma cells, those other ways to fight COVID through the immune system, but this is one method. And the interesting thing is Colin Powell, if you remember the name, in, in, uh, obviously a famous guy here in the US, he had multiple myeloma. He was treated with chemotherapy, although there's no record that I could find what chemotherapy was, drugs he was using. He got COVID, he had other comorbidities, but he got COVID and he died. Now, I'm not gonna to try to relate my situation to his, but it is typical for a person that has multiple myeloma to get COVID and have much more serious outcomes than a person that is not um, diagnosed with a bone marrow cancer. 
only because of these antibodies that are so dysfunctional. I was very fortunate. I'm saying very fortunate. I had improved my immune system to the point that I think I had the best immune system I could have given my medical circumstances, but it allowed me to get over this really severe COVID situation without being hospitalized, without having tremendous upper respiratory distress, because I did what I did and my immune system was effective enough to fight it. Your immune system doesn't stop you from getting a virus. It just is effective and efficiently trained to kill that virus when you get it. And you do have symptoms. Everybody, I'm sure, gets a cold, which is a type of coronavirus, and they recover. Some people get colds all the time. Some people get much, much sicker. That's only relevant to the quality of their immune system. But the immune system is always there to fight it. And so I think my immune system did its job without being vaccinated. So it sort of flies in the face of what we were told, like based on the information that was shared, you should be dead many times over from COVID. My oncologist, who is a conventional oncologist, he's the oncologist I started with in 2018, and I see him every four weeks. He is amazed at my success. Um, He could not promote what I do with any of his other patients, or he could be fired from his group practice and certainly possibly lose his medical license from the licensing board if he does treatment or recommends treatment out of the box, you know, not not standard of care treatment in, in the U.S. So he is interested in what I do. He always asks me for the medical articles I'm reading at the time that support what I do, but he can't promote that with his other patients. But he believes I'm I'm the most unique patient he's ever had. Yeah, it's funny how you're always a unique case, isn't it? It's like with the 17 medical idiots that told me that my stuff was incurable and it was a simple dietary change. And I'm getting pissed off, Al. I'm hearing story after story now and I'm and 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 this conversation's making me uh, really think hard about how I want to impact the world in this. If you're a medical professional, I don't care what field you work in, and you are not working in a an environment in a company that supports alternate views or uh, at least entertaining ideas that are outside of the the indoctrination that you received during six years of medical school. Find a new place to work because you're killing people. You're killing people, and I know that might sound pretty harsh, but I'm sick of this. I've I've been interviewing. person after person in all different backgrounds, all all different things. And the medical system is totally cooked right now and something drastic has to happen. And for all the people out there that are, and I don't normally go on a rant like this, Al, but I think this is really important. For all the people that are trying to eat less meat to improve the environment and to do all these things, think about this for a second. 10% of all the carbon emissions globally come from the medical system, and that includes pharmaceutical. So what if we could improve 90% of the, the medical outcomes to reduce 90% of the – like, don't worry about eating less meat, you idiot. Like, stop stop going to the doctor. Stop being poisoned with drugs and medication. Rant over. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's an important rant because – so much is true and so much is is not being 
discussed or prevented. Um, the sad thing is the medical community is a community of misinformation. I mean, if you re listen to mainstream media, misinformation is not misinformation. They're the ones that are the authorities and promoting misinformation. And, and, then, and then there's another aspect. Even the people that are alternative have their own closed minds with their alternative therapy. And I'm going to give you an example. I believe in ivermectin as a treatment over the counter in, new, two, I think, two new states in the U.S., Tennessee and New Hampshire, are putting into bills, or, uh, legal bills, or they've already passed for purchasing ivermectin over the counter now, which is amazing because I can't get it in South Carolina, even with a prescription. But it's interesting that ivermectin is promoted, and I think it does help prevent serious COVID. But there is an interesting sidelight to this. I've read some, at least one research paper that suggests that ivermectin being an anti-parasitic drug will change the microbiome in the gut and create gut dysbiosis and create potential for a leaky gut and other chronic diseases down the road. Now, this is an important statement because a leaky gut, gut dysbiosis, which is an imbalance of unhealthy bacteria in the gut, leaking into the blood system called a leaky gut, creates almost every chronic disease or affects every chronic disease known to man, including cancer. So if you can prevent that, I think that's an important thing. So I brought this information up to several major players in ivermectin and they ignored everything I had to say about it. And what is interesting is all I was saying was not to stop ivermectin. Oh my God, not to stop ivermectin, but to be aware of what it can do in the gut and include some very specific techniques to enhance the gut microbiome and repair the gut lining to offset the damage ivermectin is doing. I only wanted to bring that information to those major players right now, and they absolutely ignored me. They don't even respond to my emails. I even had an interview with one of these big shot guys who, sh who showed my information to another big shot guy he knows, and he says, I don't know what I'm talking about, and dismissed me. So what's in interesting is you have to have an open mind, and even those that are out of the box need to have another open mind to realize there are things that they don't know. We don't know what we don't know, right? We really need to be open to anything and everything that may make sense. Until you prove it, it's not sensible. Maybe it's not right. Okay, but have an open mind. That's the, I'm going to read <laughs> a section of my book that ties in beautifully with what you're talking about. And it's it's uh, the book's called Bet on You. It's available on on uh, Amazon in Kindle paperback and in my dulcet tones in the audio book. And chapter 22, which is the last chapter, is, is called Bet on You, the final chapter, incidentally. But there's section four, which I'm going to read. Just indulge me for one minute, Dr. L. Number four, 
One thing I've figured out about real life is that most people in general have little real clue what they are talking about. Stop accepting everything at face value and dig a little deeper. I'm including professors, doctors, scientists, politicians, Bill Gates, and anyone else who has a platform from which to spout. How do I know this? Because I have little real clue about what I'm talking about. In fact, the more I learn about the world, the more I realize I know F all about it. But I do know what I'm being lied to. The sheer amount of bullcrap that flows forth from the mouths of people is astonishing. It's up to us to figure out exactly what is the truth and what isn't. I referenced earlier in the book when I talked about the 20 medical professionals that all separately said, there's nothing you can do about your health issue. It's a genetic disorder. You remember this? Well, here's what I would say if I was in their position. Honestly, Mr. Ditchburn, the real answer is that we don't know what is possible and what is not these days. The medication we've been trained to prescribe you will relieve your symptoms, but at what cost? We honestly have no idea. The pills you consume every day seem to be okay, but mucking with 6 million years of evolution may cause long or short-term damage. Now, that statement requires zero ego and absolute humility, and from what I can tell, it's rare to see this day and age. It might be rare, but it's bloody necessary. People are craving the truth in a world currently so misleading, it's hard to stay on top. But admitting that you don't know something but are willing to try and find out naturally endears people to you. They are way more likely to trust you now and in the future. And your impact when you do figure something out is magnified by a number. I can't actually quantify, but it's big. And this, approach, this process of approaching life has also given me perspective on other people's opinions. I'm now way more open-minded to the fact that I might not be right. And incidentally, it creates a drive to actually see and do things for yourself. I recently ran a 50-kilometer or 30-mile ultramarathon and did 100% of the event on zero carbs or sugar. Now, that may not mean anything to those who don't follow the sport, but most people with their knowledge of how the body works would argue what I achieved is impossible. And maybe you thought that too. Well, I just proved that it's not. So let's get on with being far more open-minded. Let's challenge the status quo and actually find out for ourselves what is in fact possible. And Mark Twain once said, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it is time to reform or pause and reflect. Brilliant, young man. Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Yeah. I mean, this is the way we are today. And we're only getting worse and worse, not better and better. The entire world is pulled apart. You know, the COVID vaccine has literally divided the entire world population into two groups. One, either the believers with real information, and I say that with quotes, tongue in cheek, or the non-believers or the anti-vaxxers. And I say that with tongue in cheek because I'm not anti-vaccine. The concept of putting in an antigen in your body to stimulate your immune system to grow stronger, to fight that antigen in the future is the basis concept of a vaccine. That makes total sense. The problem are all the other chemicals that need to be there or maybe not, not need to be there, but, but they're placed in the vaccine that have other metabolic disturbances and technology genetic technology that is not ready for human trials to be treated or experimented on humans. I, that's where I am. So I, 
you know, I don't know that you're, this video get pulled because I'm telling you this, but the fact is there is new, there is information that needs to be discussed and described. And there are two camps. One that says what I am saying is misinformation. And the other camps is saying that what I'm saying is true. People need to investigate anything and everything, discard what is really not true, but they have to investigate. And when there's all kinds of cases all over the world of athletes dropping dead all of a sudden on, on the fields, children that are getting cardi cardiac, cardiac, cardiac um, uh, diseases and uh, um, um, a variety of uh, health issues, neurological issues, brain issues, um, fertility issues, all of these things that are happening over and over again in, with so many people all over the world, that needs to be investigated and not covered up and said, this is misinformation. It is not misinformation. It is something that needs to be evaluated. We are in a society where we are either opposed or, or not opposed to this. And the division is creating tremendous hatred of one group for the other. It's just amazing. I can't believe it. I can't believe where we are today. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and uh, you know, whether the video gets pulled or not, kind of, I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's like um, what, I, what I find so interesting is because I got COVID late last year. And we went to a, um, when we arrived in Mexico, we went to a Christmas Eve Eve party. It was about 80 people there. And I think 60, 70% of the, the party came down with it. And I, it kicked my ass. I felt terrible for uh, about a week. But I, I didn't use any of the product. I didn't use anything. I just used rest and I used fasting, uh, particularly fasting. I fasted for three days towards the end of it. And the, the, you know, you talk about the ivermectin and the other stuff. I, the, the human body, if people don't realize, is really brilliant. Like for yeah. us to survive to this point in our evolution is like mathematically the likelihood of you being here listening to this podcast is so infinitesimally small. It's, it's mind-boggling, right? So, so maybe give the body some credit where credit's due because – I, all, all I'm all I'm experiencing when I was young and also later in life is matter of fact statements from medical in, um, society that are proving to be wrong. Well, I got my measles, mumps, rubella shot when I was nearly four years of age, and then developed bacterial meningitis immediately after, which nearly killed me. I had it for a week before I was diagnosed. And for anyone who doesn't know about that. It's got a 40% mortality rate in the first 24 hours. And I came out the other side completely unscathed. Well, as far as I can tell, right? And that's supposedly a rare side effect. Now I'm pissed. I'm pissed because I don't know whether it was 100% that, but it's a rare side effect of that, rare side effect of that MMR vaccine. And, and I came to learn this just in the last year or two. And I, it's kind of like, at not one point was anyone saying you need to look after yourself. You need to be metabolically healthy. You need to look after yourself with food and nutrition. And it's all backward. It's all backward. And if you haven't, if you're not waking up to, you need to reclaim the power about taking your health back into your own hands. 
then you need to, or you're going to suffer immeasurably. You know, you made a statement about fasting, and that's very interesting. If you go back um, to the animal kingdom, um, and, and what I do when I do my research is I really try to look at what is happening either um, evolution from an evolutionary standpoint, because we don't really know anything if we only look at the last hundred years or a thousand years. We need to look at at least 300,000 years when the first Homo sapiens skeleton was discovered um, that has been dated for 300,000 years to be old in Morocco. And you can gain a lot of information from that, nitrogen testing and so on and so forth. But if you look at the animal kingdom, animals, when they're sick, not hibernate, but they, they get they don't eat. They rest. They let their bodies do what they have to do. Now, they're not thinking, I need to fast so I can develop autophagy um, and apoptosis to get rid of my disease. They're just doing what their bodies are told to, to them to do. They stop eating. Um, they may be drinking, but they're stop, they stop eating and they rest. They are not active. And their bodies go through what you just did when you were fasting to clear out as best as possible the the bad stuff autophagy is where weak cells clean themselves out of junk and and sometimes bad cells that are so bad just turn on a switch to kill themselves or their immune systems check them out and kill and gobble them up and then they get healthy but sometimes they don't and they die but you know the reality is and I'm, this is not a, and this is not a secret. Everybody's going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. There's not a human being in this world that's not going to die. So we're all going to die of something sometime. Not everything is going to work eventually, and we're going to die. But if you can allow your body to repair itself, let your body do it and not try chemicals that are maybe affecting in a positive way, one pathway, but damaging another hundred pathways along the way. And that's what happens in me, my case. That's what would happen in chemotherapy that happened with my immunotherapy. And right now I'm not on any drugs. Yes, I did radiation. Why did I do radiation? Because of the pain in my leg would not stop no matter what I would do. And even narcotics couldn't cut it. And the potential for me going blind was a huge risk factor, and the isolated radiation was a lower risk factor. Yes, there is um, damage to healthy cells around a radiated area. There are ways to help prevent that, one of which is ingesting molecular hydrogen, which we could talk about if you want later on or whatever, and that does help reduce and neutralize very active, aggressive free radical formation that prevents all this um, uh, excessive damage to healthy cells in the environment. Let's, let's touch on that because that's what I took about five tablets worth on my 30-mile ultramarathon with no carbs. Uh, Joe McCullough's molecular hydrogen um, dissolvable form. What is it? Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Well, hydrogen is a very important element in the body. It is used in many, many 
biological pathways. So molecular hydrogen is the molecule of hydrogen. Two hydrogen atoms combined, H2 is a molecular hydrogen. It's a gas. And there is a way for you to get that gas into your system in a large enough quantity, which is critical, to infuse throughout your body. And its effects are two effects. One, it is a discriminating antioxidant. I'll explain that in a moment as well as an anti-inflammatory, but it's all natural. So what is molecular hydrogen, first of all? So molecular hydrogen in the form that you're taking, like Mercola's tablets, there is another company, um, Hydrogen Rich Water, HRW. Um, there are other companies that have the tablets. They're all pretty much the same, I guess. But the, 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 the chemistry is, is basically this, as I understand it, but I'm not a chemist. They use magnesium in a way that is compounded in some fashion to this tablet that they, when it drops in water, it fizzes like an Alka-Seltzer tablet. And what it is doing is it is producing nanobubbles of molecular hydrogen. Nanobubbles are the critical element here because the, the nanobubbles, the very, very tiny bubbles of molecular hydrogen do not get dissolved in the water, they're dispersed in the water. So this tablet, one tablet and eight ounces of water or so, something like that, I think it is, will produce the maximum parts per million of this molecular hydrogen at the moment. That water, as soon as the tablet dissolves, and if it's room temperature water, it dissolves in about a minute. If it's colder, it may take three or four minutes. But if it's room temperature water in one minute or so, you'll see this tablet eventually dissolve, come to the surface and fizz out. You must drink that water right away all at one time. That water is going to look extremely cloudy. It's going to have a little off taste. That's the flavor of the magnesium. And when you drink it, that, that molecular hydrogen now can diffuse throughout your body. If you wait for the water to decloud, the, the cloudiness to go away, or you're not on top of the dissolving tablet, you come back in another five minutes and then drink it, you may not get the full effect. And certainly as the bubbles disappear, they evaporate, There, that's the medical benefit. That's the molecular hydrogen. So the molecular hydrogen now is getting into your body. The me molecular hydrogen throughout your body is a discriminant antioxidant. That is a very critical term. And what that means is, there are free radicals that are produced throughout your body from the chemistry of doing what it does, metabolically, producing energy, whatever. And these processes throw off junk and it's called free radicals. It's a very active, reactive type of molecule. It has to be neutralized or it can damage other um, cells. So to neutralize that, we have antioxidants. Our body produces its own antioxidants, one of which is glutathione and it neutralizes. But what molecular hydrogen does because of its hydrogen atom, its hydrogen ion, it can neutralize the free radicals that are damaging and very destructive, but does not neutralize the free radicals that are part of the normal metabolic process to kill bacteria and do other things. So to remove all free radicals would make us very sick.
because we can't uh, fix ourselves. Immune system is based on a variety of things, one of which is creating free radicals. So discriminant antioxidants, molecular hydrogen, only neutralize the bad excessive free radicals and the most aggressive, like what's called the hydroxyl free radical group. This is what's created when you have radiation therapy, for example. Antioxidants, general antioxidants like vitamin E, vitamin C are indiscriminate antioxidants. If you take too much vitamin C, that's not natural, which like in supplements, it can neutralize not only the bad free radicals, it neutralizes all the good free radicals. You can really overdo these things. And to push vitamin C into the body to a high extent also eventually turns into oxalates, which is very unhealthy for the body. So it, molecular hydrogen is a discriminating antioxidant and as well as a very effective anti-inflammatory, removes chronic inflammation, but doesn't remove acute inflammation. For example, if you had a cut on your hand, you will have an inflammatory reaction, an acute inflammatory reaction. It needs to be there. That's what helps the immune system heal the wound. If you had something that stopped that acute inflammation, you would not heal well. As a matter of fact, you can develop serious infection because the immune system is unable because it's been stopped to create healing. So acute inflammation is critical and important for the body. But chronic inflammation, constant inflammation can be and is highly destructive. And molecular hydrogen attempts to neutralize that chronic inflammation. So molecular hydrogen is important. That's why you did very well when you took it. It reduces free radicals from your excessive exercise and helps the tissues heal and reduces the buildup of lactic acid, as I understand. And there are so many research papers, medical research papers over the last 15 years showing how molecular hydrogen in humans affects many, many conditions. It's quite an exciting area, I think, to research and pursue. I use it myself. Yeah. And, and to give you some, some practical uh, use for it, the recovery from the run was at least twice as fast from previous runs. And that that kind of that, that to me had a lot to do with the fact that I was taking on no food that was causing any inflammatory response because I had a ribeye steak for breakfast two hours before the run, nine slices of Yarlsberg cheese, the Irish cheese, and half a gallon of uh, homemade bone broth that had liver and spleen cooked into it with and 10,000 10, milligrams of sodium in the form of uh, element sachets. And uh, it wasn't the fastest run ever, uh, but my interestingly, my blood sugar was 4.7 millimoles at the start. My ketones were 0.3 millimole. And at the end, my blood sugar got down to 3.3 millimole and my ketones were 2.2 millimoles. 2.2 millimoles in the ketone world was the equivalent. The last time I got that high was when I did a four-day fast, to give you an idea. <laughs> Yeah, so that's good dietary ketosis, and you're creating a lot of very good stimulation of your endogenous glutathione. You are, you know, the ketones go 
through the brain, into the brain, 70% of all the brain's uh, uh, energy needs can be derived from ketones. They love it. It's a clean burning fuel, very little reactive oxygen species. It um, induces autophagy for cells that are weak, clean themselves out, kind of rebuild yourself. It's also used in longevity and stem cell research. I mean, this is our bodies. I think all of our primal ancestors lived in ketosis a majority of the time. I wouldn't say all the, certainly not all the time. They did eat some uh, carbohydrates. They need carbohydrates every now and then. The body is designed to, to metabolize carbohydrates, but we are designed better to metabolize fat because we only have a store of glycogen in the liver to last, I don't know, six to eight hours, and then it's gone. The glycogen in the muscles doesn't get used up unless you're using the muscles for running and sprinting and that, that kind of activity. And the fat cells, you can generate energy from fat cells for weeks. So our body has the source of energy in our body to, for prolonged um, metabolism, and that is in fat, not in glucose. However, you know, when you burn a fat cell, you're burning three molecules of um, uh, um, uh, fat cell, fat tissue um, to one molecule of glyc uh, glycol, um, I think. And that is goes to the liver and the liver utilizes that and creates um, uh, glucose. So there are, or, or, or even ketones, but th that is a glucose generating molecule of three fatty acids of the triglycerides. So three fatty acids and one glycerol, I mean, glycerol mole uh, molecule is the breakdown product of a triglyceride. So there is something, some glucose that can be burned in the process of burning a fat cell. So um, for those that, that are struggling with some of the terminology here, don't worry. <laughs> if, 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 yeah, if I got Al, all the terminology right, I'm not, I'm not the expert here. But well, he, he, Al's uh, certainly sharing some stuff that um, with, with some reading of some material, you'll start to become a lot more familiar. And, and, and I think regaining or gathering the, the power and understanding some of the terminology will help make more informed decisions. Uh, one thing that came to mind, Al, is that there's been plenty of, this is recorded in uh, the end of April, 2022, and there's been plenty of news recently regarding potential food shortages um, with the stuff that's happening in the Ukraine, wheat shortages and, and vegetable oil shortages, and people are freaking out. And just quietly between you and me and the fence post, I can kind of think, I can't think of a better scenario where if there's no bread available and no seed oils, that that's going to improve the metabolic health of everyone that can't get to them. So uh, I wouldn't worry about it. If you're a big fatty and you don't get to eat for three months, as long as you've got electrolytes and you're not doing strenuous work, you're probably going to be improving your health in a far better manner than what you could ever imagine. Without a doubt. You know, um, I'll just bring up somebody that I know is producing a documentary, and I don't know where he is with it. Brian Sanders, um, I think he lives in Austin, Texas, is producing a, a documentary called Food Lies. Um, the potential of this documentary, I think, is phenomenal. He discusses not only the importance of a meat 
based diet. Meat-based diet doesn't mean 100% ribeyes, obviously. It's meat, nose to tail, but other vegetation may be included in that diet, but certainly nothing that has anti-nutrients and certainly not processed foods. And he explains also why animals that are grazing properly in regenerative farms can literally um, fertilize the, the land with defecation and urination without artificial fertilizers as they move from plot to plot of the land. And then those fertilized areas, the naturally fertilized areas are ready for crops to be grown. And then they just rotate the animals. And of course, these animals are humanely raised and nothing is inorganic. And these animals can be utilized for um, consumption as well. And the, the lack of synthetic fertilizers is a huge reduction of the carbon blueprint that the world is experiencing, not the methane gas from cattle. They don't have to worry about the petroleum products being used for synthetic fertilizers. A very interesting commentary that he put together, a summary of his um, lengthy uh, documentary. So I think it's called Food Lies. Brian Sanders, just brilliant. If anybody wants to look at it and see it. I think it's a very well done um, story of why we can feed the world without feeding them wheat and processed seed oils. Yeah. Brian Sanders is fantastic. And his, his social media is under food lies as well. He's, he's a really knowledgeable guy. And it's so simple. Like there was in the, in the 1800s in North America, there was more heads of bison Pretty, I'm pretty sure than there is heads of cattle on the whole planet right now. And uh, <laughs> like this whole, climate, yeah, this whole climate thing is a, a, a yet another load of horse shit. Excuse the pun. And I shouldn't really swear on these things, but um, I'm just getting jacked. I'm getting jacked off. Al, I'm getting to the point where um, my tolerance for ignorance is really starting to wane on me, and I, and I just and it's kind of selfish because I, I I want people to have the energy that I have. And you you say you're 75, 77, 75? 75. 75. Don't age me yet? Sorry. Yeah, yeah like I you, I don't meet many sixty five year olds with your levels of cognitive ability and and energy and and you're going through what you're going through with this multiple myeloma like and that and that's testament to to what you're eating and and the people that eat this way have the best the most stable moods they're way less likely to be unhinged they're way more empathetic you know my relationship with animals is fantastic like the just the sheer number of dogs of all shapes and sizes that come up and interact with me and nuzzle up to me and lick my hand and my face. It's, it's, it's uh, maybe because I smell like steak, but um, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. And the, the sooner people realize that if you move away from, you know, Monsanto's seeds that destroy themselves once they make the crop and the, the doused in glyphosate, which is banned all through Europe if you if you would understand what that does to mitochondrial function, uh, you would not touch the stuff with a, a fifty foot barge pole, and uh, you know the more you know, right? 
And and the other part of this is a lot of us don't know. So I mean, I think a lot of people that are wanting to be proactive. I mean, there are a segment of the population that don't care. But let's say the person wants to be proactive. There's so much that those people don't know. I mean, when you look at a packaged product that tells you what is in it and there are some chemicals in it as inert ingredients that you don't know how horrible these are. Not necessarily if you ingest them once, it's the accumulation of these. There are well-documented medical papers in medical journals that talk about these food additives that are theoretically okay, damaging the gut microbiome. And this brings me back to the point of the gut microbiome is the critical elements to health. It's not the only element. It is a critical element. We have 38 trillion microbes in our body, but our body is only made up of 30 trillion human cells. So if you get down to it, we are more microbial than human. And those microbial cells are primarily in our gut, but they're in our mouth, they're on our skin, they're everywhere. But the major numbers are in our gut. And they do not only create metabolites and chemicals that are critical for the health of the gut, but they communicate with the immune system and tell the immune system what's going on. And the bacteria in the gut talk to the bacteria in the mouth and the bacteria in the eyes. All mucosal tissue bacteria or microbes communicate between one another. And there are axes where What's going on in the gut affects the brain. What's going on in the gut affects the lung tissue. What's going on in the gut affects the mouth. And these are critical elements. So if there is something in our food that damages our gut, it's just not we get diarrhea for a day. If it's accumulating in our gut, it may affect everything I just mentioned over time. And when it finally affects us, it could be 10, 20, 30 years down the road before it manifests, yet it started decades before. So even if you're proactive, you need to be even more aware that you don't know what you don't know, because none of the products say there's residue of of glyphosate. But all commercial plants right now, from what I understand, probably have residue of glyphosate that you're ingesting which is very harmful if yeah. it's commercially raised uh, in an inorganic way. So Al, someone's listening to this going, God, where do I even start? You've got a magnificent uh, resource pool available on your website. How do people find you? Sure. So I'm available at drdannenberg.com. So it's D-R-D-A-N-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. Um, I have lots of information. I do blogs practically every week. I even create my um, some original recipes, which I call the Better Belly Blueprint Recipes. I wrote a little ebook called Better Belly Blueprint, which is my way of eating. Basically, um, generally a 70% animal-based nose to tail, 30% maybe some carbs, which would include some raw honey, some fruit, very, very few vegetables, but no nuts and seeds concepts that are not unique to me, but this is how I put together the uh, little ebook. 
Um, I do one-on-one consultations all over the world now for people that have dental issues. Let me just mention, one of the things that is so critical, and there are a lot of naturopaths and functional medicine doctors treating the gut and other chronic diseases, um, but they're not understanding the mouth. And the mouth is a huge source for other chronic infections to spread. Yes, the gut can start mouth infections without a doubt, but bad dentistry in the mouth can also start mouth infections. But even if the the gut infection starts the mouth infection and no one is aware of the gut infection, the mouth infection will continue as its own nidus of infection affecting the rest of the body. So functional medicine people and naturopathic people really get into treating the gut and SIBO and all kinds of stuff. They never look at a source like the mouth that is now its own source of infection and inflammation. And dentists that are biological sometimes have no idea of the gut relationship. So they're only treating the bacteria and microbes in the mouth, treating the disease pattern in the mouth, but they don't get to the source in the gut. So the gut continues to affect all the other organ systems. So the mouth is critical to treat, the gut is critical to treat. And I talk about that and I do consults all over um, about that. Okay. That's do, you have any, do you have any concluding thoughts for the audience today, Al? Yeah. You know, boy, I've been through a lot. You've been through a lot, right? I've been through a lot. I've been literally at the edge of death. I was in hospice. I was ready to die. I can tell you this. I have a lot of medical people that work around me and help me, but I can tell, and they told me that I was going to die a long time ago. Attitude is huge. Your frame of mind is huge. You need to be proactive. Don't believe everything you hear, but don't discard it either. Investigate other alternatives, no matter what is going on in your life. And have a support person. My wife is my pillar. It's unbelievable. And what I've been going through in the last, mm, since February of this year, has been very trying. I have gone into really deep states of depression. (laughs) You're looking at me, it doesn't look like I'm depressed. I'm not depressed, but I have gone through a lot of depression. This has been very difficult for me. My wife has pulled me out of that. So individuals should have something, some person that is their support mechanism. But the most important thing is a positive attitude and knowing what you research can help you. Even if you're going to die from the disease you have, you can improve your immune system yourself and you can enhance the quality of life going forward until the ultimate end of your life. That's what I would suggest anybody and everybody to do. Good attitude and do some research. And you do have a fantastic attitude. And I'm going to break the rules here. I'm going to ask you one more question because I think this Uh is This is really important. What advice would you give to people that are maybe in their in their late teens or early twenties, or still haven't figured out their reason why they're on the planet yet? What now that you've been presented with this death, like inevitable death, and it's real? What is what's the most the single most important thing that you've discovered is for you in your whole life? Love love. Yeah. And, and I, 
you know, taking care of yourself is important, obviously, from a nutritional standpoint, gut standpoint, cellular standpoint, but love people, give of yourself and, and receive love and give love. I think that's important. Make memories. These are essence of a quality of life. The sad thing is young people think they're invincible and nothing will harm them and probably very little things will harm them at the moment. Um, you can gear your life to be a very healthy, athletic, strong person, emotionally, physically, nutritionally, but you have to be empathetic. You have to give love. You have to share love. You have to accept love. And I think we're on this planet for that reason to do good. A lot of us do not do good. Um, we can get into a spiritual component if you wanted to have another long session, which I think is another critical element. But I think having love, giving love, receiving love, I think it's the most important thing. Oh, I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Al Dannenberg. Thank you. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training where I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.